Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. This is gonna feel real good, alright? Most dope. Everybody, please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey. One, two, three, four. Crazy ass kids coming like a pony in the store. Let him in, let him in, let him in. Hey, everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. Wow. Just wow. I mean, the Flyers are on the precipice of history. I don't know if it's never happened before, but there's almost no way mathematically that a team before the 40th game has two 10-game losing streaks. It seems impossible, uh, so I'm going to say the Flyers are about to accomplish something incredible uh, with one game. Game number 40 on Thursday against the Columbus Blue Jackets. They can bring this home. Uh... And just really corner the market on ineptitude uh, in the National Hockey League and in sports in general. Uh, So let's get everyone's thoughts on it. Uh, Let's just get right into it. Let's get to the intros. Let's lead it off with the fly by herself, Kelly Hinkle. So uh, much like Leon Dreisaitl, I too am pissy. So I will apologize in advance to Charlie because apparently his people are offended by pissiness. Yeah, I so sorry. I missed like all of that yesterday because I was oh, wonderful. working on articles. Um, but apparently it was a whole thing. Like people really went crazy over it on social media. I'm not gonna say that you missed it, really. <laughs> I wouldn't say I've been missing it, Bob. <laughs> it was just uh I mean it was like, you know, one of those things. It was like the war check thing. I, I, I will say, like players, like Apparently, Matheson and Dreisaitl have some sort of prior history where they don't like each other. Matheson sucks. Yeah, whatever. I mean, there's definitely that. Okay. However, if players are going to get mad that, like, they're being asked legitimate questions, like, hey, what the fuck's the matter? Uh, And they don't expand on their answers, then they can't get mad when the... Uh, analysis of no. hockey is so surface level and bullshit. Hold on. If you're no, only no, ever no, no, going to say, we need to be no, better, Bill, we need to pause. be better. No, I'm still pause. talking. I'm still talking. No. If, okay, if, you're you o- if your only answers are... interview or just the viral part? Because the full interview, Jim Matheson asked the same question three times before the viral part. Okay. So he was trying to... to he was definitely poking at Leon Dreisaitl, and Leon Dreisaitl gave a great answer to the first question, and even the second question. And then the viral video starts, and it's the same question over again, and obviously Jim Matheson is looking for a better answer, 
then or or a specific answer and Leon's not going to say it like he's not Drysaddle isn't going to throw his goalie under the bus isn't going to throw his teammates under the bus and that's what Matheson is looking for so when he says you're being pissy Leon Drysaddle says no I'm not and he says yes you are every time I ask a question Jim Matheson is pissed off that Leon Drysaddle isn't giving him the quote that he wants that's what happened here I'm saying in general if players are only ever going to say we need to be better at everything, got to get pucks deep, then they can never, ever get mad when hockey analysis is only surface level. Ah, strip no, the C, because that's that's all you ever give us. Okay, so that, that presupposes that a hockey writer can't do a good job at writing articles unless a player says specific words in a specific order that he can use in said article. Like, Jim Matheson could write an article analyzing why the, the Oilers are bad. Charlie does that shit all the time. And I don't think he requires a quote from, like, Claude Giroux to do it. Like, he looks at what's happening on the ice. He looks at the numbers. He writes an article analyzing what's the fuck wrong with the Flyers. If Jim Matheson wanted to do that, he could. He doesn't want to. He wants to be lazy, and he wants Leon Dreisaitl to tell him what's wrong with the Oilers so that he could just print that shit and be like, see, they suck. I but, told you. But does it not speak to what the organization is if the player can't tell you what's wrong? I, I mean, I'm no, sure that he can. Because... I'm sure that he can, but like... If, if he if refuses, says, that says something says too. Charlie says to Claude Giroux, what's wrong with your team? Why is the team losing? Like, Claude Giroux is not going to say like, well, the defense is horseshit. Yeah. Everything sucks. No one's working hard. Like, they're not going to say that because those are their... That's his team. Like, he's not going to say that And maybe he shit. should. Absolutely no, it, not. Don't do that. Don't do that. They're never going to do then, that. Now. Then we would have to hear about what a shitty leader he is for throwing his team under the bus. Like, come on. It, I mean, there's no winning. There's no winning for German. He's protected him for because 10 years sure. and it's gotten him nowhere. It's a professional interaction, and Matheson has no space to say what he said. Like, for, be a fucking adult, my dude. Like, you're at work. You don't get to ask another adult man why he's being pissy in his conversation with you and expect him to be like, oh, I'm sorry. I won't be pissy with you anymore, Jim. What do you want to know? Like, come on. It's nonsense. People get mad at each other at work. Like, that shit happens. Yeah, I know. But you don't say you don't say to someone at work, Dolores, why are you being pissy? Like, that's not going to be a productive conversation for anybody. So I'm going to throw in a couple things here because um, I think there's actually a lot. There's a lot of not angles, but there's a lot of levels to this that um, I think some of the more thoughtful people have brought up. Um, and, and I'll kind of touch on a few. Number one, and I do think this is a key element to understanding why these things seem to be popping up more now, um, you know, in the last year and a half. The, the entire Zoom interview thing, it fucking sucks. And it sucks for everyone. You can tell the players hate it. Journalists definitely hate it because we're not getting one-on-one -on -one access. We're not getting locker room access. And I do think that does play into the, like, it plays into the tension that, that's arising in these situations because in the past, and I've seen this, I've seen this multiple times in the locker room, if a guy's mad at a writer for writing an article that they disagree with or they think is unfair, the player will call out the reporter. But they'll usually call out the reporter like in the locker room when the only people that can see it 
are the other writers and, of course, their teammates. But, like, that's better than this when no one has access to the players and these types of call-outs have to happen in broadcasted Zoom sessions because it's the only the time actual we can, press conference. Yeah, it's the yeah. only time we can actually talk to these guys. And, like, I'm not saying that I disagree with the fact that there's COVID protocol. I'm just saying, like, it's a shitty situation for everyone, and everyone's kind of on edge, I think, especially when a team is bad like the Oilers are, like the Flyers are. And, like, this shit's going to happen. That said, and this is another important part of it, these sort of things rarely, sometimes they do, sometimes a guy's just in a bad mood and he blows up on a journalist blows up on a question or whatever, or a journalist adds, like, a journalist is having, you know, not an A-game day, and, you know, he or she asks a dumb question that is presented in a dumb way, and the player is just like, that's fucking stupid. Um, most of the time, this stuff builds up over time. This stuff builds up in that, like, Leon Dreisaitl didn't get disrespectful with, with Matheson because... He was annoyed with this one question. Where, yeah, yeah, yeah. where Matheson went this far one time. This stuff happens because over months and years of interaction, these guys have clashed. And eventually it escalates to the point where there's blah. Like the Mike Sielski Jake Voracek thing, like that didn't come out of nowhere. <laughs> that came out of years of Mike Sielski being extremely critical in almost all of his columns on the Flyers of Claude Drew and Jake Voracek, and then him publishing a column that Jake Voracek thought was just flat out not true. It went beyond criticism. It was just an inaccurate foretelling of what had actually happened in the locker room one day. Like that's where that stemmed from. And in those situations, it's hard for me to be truly sympathetic to the writer when it's like you could have de-escalated this situation previously by either being more fair in your criticism or actually dealing with this with the player one-on-one. Granted, as I said, that's tough for now because we're not getting one-on-one access mostly because of COVID, and that, that, that plays into this. But there's a reason why I think that, like, Look, it's no secret that the Edmonton media core is not the most respected around the league, particularly from people like under the age of 40 that are fans because they look at it and they're just like these like this entire media core isn't hard. They're they're very favorable towards management. They don't hold management yeah. accountable. Oh, they blame yeah. everything on the play. They blame everything on the players when in reality like guys like Peter Shirelli are the reason why Connor McDavid isn't winning playoff series. It's because he didn't know how to build a team and Ken Holland isn't doing a heck of a lot better. I think he's better than Shirelli, but he's not doing significantly better. And Charlie, a lot of we the, have a McDavid lot of the writers in that meet, First round pick's not on the table. We're not going for it. (laughs) Yeah, it's insane. But I think that had that reputation not been out there, like, I guess my point is, is that there are are a bunch of journalists out there that are very highly respected, I think, among everyone. And you rarely, if ever, see see a player really go at one of them. And I don't think that's a coincidence. I agree. I was... More, I just, I think it's all hilarious, and I think talking to the players is typically pointless, uh, because they give you nothing. I just think, in general, players, if they want more than surface-level criticism, have to provide a little more, otherwise you're gonna get nothing but strip-the-sea, grit-and-heart bullshit. Like, yes, Charlie does a tremendous job, but if the players are unwilling to do their part, 
you can't really get mad about it. Charlie essentially said the same thing as me and Kelly. You yelled at me and Kelly. Well, I didn't yell at you. I yelled because I was speaking, and then you decided it was your turn, even though I was in the middle of a sentence. From TheAthletic.com, Charlie O'Connor. Oh, my God, are we still on intros? Yeah, I think we are. Well, I mean, it's better than talking about the Flyers. It Um, is. Yeah, I guess, like, since I really don't have an intro, aside from, like, the team I cover is real bad, and I'm kind of trying to figure out how to write content about this team isn't just saying over and over again that they're real bad. um, It's difficult. Um, Just kind of to follow up on what you were saying, Bill, about, you know, players giving report or something i think like and i don't i don't cover leon dry so i don't know how open he is with the media but there is an element of truth to that in the sense that like i'm gonna bring up a name that okay i i'll I'll go this far nolan patrick classic example like like nolan patrick is one of those guys where like he was purposely very difficult with the media and he thought he was justified for lots of reasons and that's fine it's his right to treat the media like shit if he wants to the thing is is like it's ma- it makes it more likely that the coverage you get is going to be shitty. Yeah, and your perception like, is going to be aloof asshole if you act yeah. like an aloof asshole. Like that's the thing, and and like, look, I'm not saying that like, hey, it's your right to do whatever the hell yeah, you want, go dude. For it. And like, I, you know, f- for me personally, I'm going to try to be as professional as possible in the way I write about you. And when when he was struggling last year, I would always be like, look, the guy missed a full season. He had serious, you know, head issues in terms of his migraines and possibly post-concussion. Like, let's cut him some slack here. But, like, actions have consequences, and not everyone is going to be that charitable. So there is an element of give and take here where, like, if you want favorable or fair coverage, you probably should give a little bit to the reporters most of whom, or maybe I'm being a little bit too far, many of whom Some aren't of par- aren't paragons of integrity. <laughs> That's what uh, I will say. All right. Last but certainly not least, Stephalicious D. Steph Driver. I can't believe that we're still doing introductions. Fuck it. Um. <laughs> so I fell down the stairs about a month ago, just maybe three and a half weeks ago, and I. <laughs> Are you okay? Gave myself a high ankle sprain. I gotta tell you guys, these things fucking suck. Yeah, it's been yeah, they do. almost a month and the fucker's still swollen. I still can't walk on it, let alone do any type of physical therapy. So sometimes when you're a complete idiot and jackass, you kind of stumble into some sympathy for NHL players because this shit sucks nothing wrecks a fantasy football team like a high high ankle sprain i'll tell you particularly for a running back yeah they never come back no he's 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 day-to-day he's on fucking hot hot i am day-to-day for the rest of my life because this is it's awful i can't walk on it i can't do anything and god forbid the dog jumps on it while i'm asleep because Fuck! Like I'm, I'm in this ankle brace. I'm on, I'm in two because one isn't good enough to stabilize the fucking ankle. It's a nightmare, and I do not wish this on anyone. Go. So Steph, now we will, we will just literally get into like friends on the phone talk. I had a high ankle sprain my senior year of high school, and my one piece of advice to you on this is like, if you can do exercises at some point, do them. 
because mm-hmm. for me, my high ankle sprain did not fully heal to the point where it wasn't hurting anymore until like two years after I graduated college. And that was because <laughs> cool, I, cool, cool. and that was because I didn't do the shit. Like legitimately yeah. what happened was it finally got better because in college I did like no exercise at all. I just like, you know, walked around, went to class and drank. Um, Relatable. Yeah. Yep, yep. So then after college, I was like, hey, maybe I should like get into shape again. And I started running. And the first like six months of running, it hurt every time I ran. And then finally the pain went away because like I actually was building up the muscles around the high ankle sprain. Yeah. So like, don't be me actually do <laughs> actually do the rehab and like work to improve like you know to rebuild your ankle because high ankle sprains stink they take a while to, to, to get better but like they don't They're have to awful. take that long they don't have to take that long i actually i really think i'm gonna need surgery like i think i tore a ligament um but who has time for surgery right now i certainly don't so i'm just living in a breeze yeah i need nasal surgery that ain't happening like We'll be able oh to- yeah, no. There's a lot of there's a lot of things I need, but who's got time? Who's got time? All right. So, uh, speaking of time, it's been a little while since this team was like thoroughly enjoyable. So to start uh, the show, yeah, a little you know, bit. Thirty minutes in uh, to start the show, I just want like give me a random great Flyers memory. Just to, like, get us off on the right foot here, something positive, and I am going to take. 2004 Game 6 against Tampa, as well as 2010 Game 7 against Boston, off the table. Uh, So just something random great that aren't those two games that we talk about all the time. I'll I'll get us started. Something that popped in my head when I just started thinking about this. I remember listening to a game on the radio in 2008, and they just so happened to be talking about Mike Knubel's zero career hat tricks, considering all the goals he scored. And he goes on to score a hat trick that day in a 3-0 win against the Ducks. Natty Hattie, uh, and it just, like, it's such a likable guy, Mike Knubel, hard worker. Just has one of those nice. moments that, like, I don't know, fucking 12 years, 14 years later, I just remember for some reason. Uh, just a, a solid, good memory. Anyone have something positive? I have one, but I'm, I'm looking up. The year that it happened. Here we go. 2016. Flyers were middling, as per usual. Um, And I went to the last home game of the season. I had great seats. Like, upper level. So, mezzanine level. Center ice, first row. So, I had the little ledge to put my bev and my feet. um, And had the, the nice little overview. And the Flyers were playing the Penguins. And I believe that this is the game that the Flyers knocked out both of the Penguins' goalies. Flyers beat the Penguins to make the playoffs. And the atmosphere in the Wells Fargo Center was insane. That's my good Flyers memory. I had to look up the year because I couldn't. Remember, because around that time, there were so many Flyers teams that last day of the season, if you beat this team, you make the playoffs. <laughs> that feels like the whole 20 teens. Basically. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I just had to look up the year and it was, it was April 2016. 
I was going to talk about something from 2010 because that's legitimately the last time I had a lot of fun watching the Flyers. And there was actually like, I made a lot of friends that season. I started like a stupid Facebook page that people really <laughs> liked. It's the whole reason that I ended up working at Broad Street Hockey. So there was like a lot going that's on that year That's my favorite origin story ever. <laughs> it's better than Spider-Man. Um, but then I just remembered, I was at the game... Uh, where Claude Giroux broke 100 points by, I think he scored a hat trick that game. Yeah, he sure did. Yeah, I was at that game. And I think that that game also got them into the playoffs, if I'm remembering correctly. They had to win it. It Claude Giroux got over 100 points. That was uh, legitimately a very electric And then somehow he didn't win the Hart Trophy. And then, yeah, he didn't get the MVP because reasons. Mm. But, yeah. Even though he was very clearly the MVP. Yeah, <laughs> I distinctly remember watching that game on my TV, and when he scored for that hundredth point, I remember standing up and just like screaming in a good way. That's I'm, a great memory. And right? then he kept scoring. He yeah. got more. He and then he kept scoring. Yeah. Before Charlie shares, scoring. before Charlie shares his moment, I have a question specifically for Bill because we're the same person in this regard. Do you? Because I've been thinking a lot about this. Do you think that? Claude Giroux leaving, which I think is an inevitability at this point. Do you think it's going to hurt more than Mike Richards for you or less? I can't really decide what's... I feel like it's going to hurt less only because I've had time to mentally prepare, but I feel like that's one of those things where it's like, if you are mentally preparing for someone to die, it's still never easier once they die, and I'm wondering if it's going to be like that with Giroux. At the time of Richards, um, and this kind of ties into what we talked about earlier in the show... When they get swept by Boston in 2011, he ducked out, and, yeah. like, that was it. And when he kind of just shirked his duties as the captain and didn't didn't really stand up and, you know, take accountability, I was done with that core. Like, I understood why they all had to go. I was, um, I was still kind of shocked maybe, when it happened. Looking back, maybe they could have gotten through it and everything. Um it's odd to choose a coach over players, uh, especially in a sport where, like, the best coaches last maybe five years. And but, you just uh, signed these two players to long-term yeah. big I contracts? Just realized, I just realized Jeff Carter never even played under that contract. Not here. It was an ex- Yeah, it was an extension. It was an extension that didn't kick in until after they fucking traded it. But, yeah, yeah. I think this is going to hurt let, more. Let Charlie... Let Charlie give his good memory because I've yeah. got a lot to say about Claude Giroux. Okay, is that okay? Yeah, that's right. Go ahead. I'm sorry I cut you off again, but I've got a lot to say, and I didn't. No, and we have we have like the next Charlie. three months to do Claude Giroux content. Yeah, that is true. We do. Um, so I guess I, if you don't mind, if I could do two. Yeah. Um, I have like oh my two. god! Unbelievable. Oh, Charlie's got two good memories from this team. No, well, because it's. <laughs> It, it's weird for me to like the reason why I would say I have two is because there's one from when I was a fan, and then one more as a writer, um, because it's, it's a different feel. It's a different feel, you know, for both. So the one when I was a writer was, uh, and I actually was going back trying to find this game because I, I knew it existed. I remember it vividly, and I did find it. There was a game in 2016. So this was the 2015-2016 season. This was the Ghost season, the year they got to the playoffs because Ghost had his incredible rookie year. And 
if you remember, like, the Flyers weren't that good in the first half of that season. They call up ghosts, they start figuring it out, and then the second half, they start playing really well. This is the first Hackstall year. And this was also the first year that I was covering the team essentially full-time. I was still writing for Broad Street Hockey, um, but I had essentially quit my job in marketing. I was basically working part-time at my marketing agency, managing a few clients, and then covering the Flyers on a daily basis, going to practices, going to games, writing almost every day for BSH. Um, they played the Lightning in March of that year. And, like, the playoffs were not assured at this point. I think they still had had, had more losses than wins. But they played the Lightning in a game. And the Lightning were real good that year. I mean, this was, like, the heart of the Lightning being real good. This, I think this was probably, like, a couple years into the Lightning being real freaking good again. And the Flyers in the second period just took them apart. I mean, it wasn't like the Flyers are winning. This was the Flyers are just boat racing the lightning they ended up out shooting them 22 to 6 in the in the second period and it was just sheer dominance and I, they actually they came out of the second period they weren't winning they were down they were tied 1-1 um but i remember walking through the press box after that period and just being like holy shit like i'm covering a good hockey team like these guys are good i i'm covering a good hockey team and like the future's bright like shane gaza's bear is awesome and it was just one of those like moments of like this rules like this is like this is kind of what i want to do for the rest of my life if i can because this is this is a blast has this is anyone, gonna be a lot of fun has anyone considered that since charlie became a full-time beat writer flyers <laughs> have been trash <laughs> I think it proceeds. People, me a people bit. were talking about the Sam Carcini curse, but maybe there's a Charlie <laughs> O'Connor curse that we maybe. need to talk about. I'm a. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm glad. You, <laughs> I'm glad you brought up Ghost because that whole like from his Frozen Four into that rookie year, like the God, OT heroics. Fun. I think it was that Lightning game. He had an awesome. Uh, he he ducks into the offensive zone and puts a goal home against the Lightning. It was my most popular tweet ever because it was like a bay, uh, you know, come over, I can't. Hedman's not home. And then it's him, like, charging in and scoring. I did I did a meme. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, like, it was just so electric, Gostas Bear, the whole thing. My favorite was in the playoffs, he scored on his birthday, uh, which happens to be April 20th. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Four twenty, quite nice. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, like that—that that false hope of the Gostas Bear rookie season. Really, it's—it was so much fun, and it hurts so bad now because, like, that should be—that should be who this team is. Like, you they should be the- led. They should be led by that group right now, and instead, they—they're just fucking terrible. You say false hope. I and I don't want to really get into this because. I've been thinking about it a lot and I've like constructed a novel in my mind about it. Um, But like the Flyers ruined Claude Drew or Shane Gosses Bear. Claude Drew too, really. But Shane, I mean, Shane Gosses Bear didn't get to play like he did. Now, was he ever going to be as good as he was that rookie year? No, I'm not stupid. I know that that was a bit of a lightning in a bottle situation, but. But that third year with Provorov was like maybe not highlight wise just as good, but it was just as good. And I, I, also, I also think that injuries played a bigger role. Than Certainly. Probably. Absolutely. I mean, I've he's a little guy, and he had some bad injuries. With uh, all the the weirdos' obsession about culture with the Flyers and, like, getting back to some culture that they've invented in their mind that never really existed, 
I've been thinking a lot about like abolish the salary cap, in my opinion. Right, pl- like players coming here and like not getting better, and like highly touted prospects never really panning out, and like maybe the Flyers' culture has been bad for a long time, and the one that you want back was bad too, and maybe this whole idea of like trying to get back to a thing from way, way before, like the '90s. Uh, maybe that's the thing that's holding the organization back. Like, maybe try to think a little bit about now. I mean, even I mean, like can, can the I make 80s. A point, can I, go ahead. Can, can I make a point here, Bill? Because this is something that like has kind of cracked me up a lot about some of the criticisms of this team I've seen on social media. Is that it is funny to me that <laughs> that like one thing that you kept seeing was that. The Flyers quit on their coaches, and this shows how dysfunctional the culture is. And, like, okay, like, that's reasonable. Sure. But let's remember that the era in which you guys hold up as this amazingly great when the Flyers were the Flyers, like, didn't they quit on, like, three coaches in, like, a five-year span? They, including they one a that, mutiny like, against like, Bill like, Barber, a, like, a storied <laughs> alumnus. Like, they, they the general manager said a coach should, shouldn't have gotten cancer. Like, yeah. the, they fired that, Let us too. all remember. They went to the Stanley Cup and then fired the fucking coach who got them there. Like... <laughs> This this thing has been a shit show since yes. the night. Like since yes. Mike Keenan, the salary yes. cap. Like, since the salary since cap. Before it has the salary fucked. cap. Like what Mike Keenan fucking leaves. Like all this like it's always been dysfunctional. They just had a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the yes. Flyers the Flyers brand has always been chaos. It's just they could outspend everyone and get exactly. out of it. Now and now they can't. And now they can't. And so chasing down uh failure i mean maybe we focus someplace else maybe like, we focus on like building a team the way the other successful teams yeah, have built like, their teams maybe, try maybe to we get, do it that way maybe try to get point and kucherov late i don't know like, like i see i see people talking about like loss and kraus or Cruz, whatever the fuck his name is and i'm like this is like <laughs> if, if flyers fans being like oh you could probably get him for nothing and like uh, like what like this is what you want to do to improve the team. Like this is exa- like this is the same <laughs> dumb move that Flyers fans have wanted the team to do over and over again forever. It's like Groundhog Day. It's very annoying, awesome. and I hate this all entire, of you. Like I can't very keep tired. building an entire team around bottom six forwards. Or like, guys that so may, maybe they'll come here and be good. Newsflash: They <laughs> never do that. That never happens. Never. Never not once. No, and that's, or this John guy McClare was really good five years ago. Yeah. Let's bring him in. I, like, I cannot size. watch Keith Yandel another fucking game. I can't do it. I, I Okay, said, so can, can I can I now go into my other Oh, yeah, yeah, one? yeah. Oh, fuck. Sorry, I like Charlie. That we're being I, polite I, now. I totally we're asking if we thing. can interrupt each other. Charlie, Look at I'm us. so sorry. Oh, man. Um, no, I, I think this is actually probably a good intro into um, what Steph wanted to talk about. Uh, which is Claude Drew, because my other memory is a Claude Drew memory. Because, so some, some background, I think I've talked about this on the show, like, Claude Giroux, basically from the time he was drafted, like, was 
the plot like he was like going to be my next favorite player like i remember you know watching highlights after he got drafted been like holy shit this kid's good and then i remember being in college watching uh gatineau games like on awful streams in the the library on campus because i wanted to watch his junior games because i was so hyped up on how good this this kid was going to be and you know he he gets he gets called up um, he's okay. He had a really good uh, pl- uh, play, or not play. He had a really good run in that Pittsburgh series. They lost in six games when he played like half the year. And then in 2009, 2010, he was, again, fine, but maybe not quite living up to, you know, the hopes of everyone. And then in that playoff run in 2010, he goes crazy and he's, he breaks out. And I'll never forget, it's still probably my favorite Flyers game ever, just because there's like personal things too, like there was some family shit that was going on that was really rough, and like it was kind of one of those days where like, man, I really need a friggin' pick-me-up here. And it was game three, they were down 2-0, and to see Giroux score the overtime goal and make that a series again. I mean, that's just a moment that, like, will always stick with me. And it's one of those moments where, why, like, I always get annoyed when people are like, Claude Drew isn't clutch. Like, guys, the dude scored an overtime game-winning goal in the Stanley Cup Final. Like, yep. I don't know what what else is more clutch than that aside from doing it in Game 7 and how many people have done that, maybe, like, two. Um, that game will just always stick in my memory as, like, you know, kind of like the high point of my Flyers fandom because not only did they win this must-win game in dramatic fashion, it was like it was my favorite player whose jersey I was wearing at the time who did it, and it was just one of those really, really cool moments. And Claude Giroux has had so many of those really cool moments, I think, for a lot of different fans. Um, you know, obviously my relationship with Drew is different now because I'm not really a fan anymore. Now I cover him as a professional, but for the fans that are still just pure fans, I mean, there's probably so many moments over the last decade that they can think back on that, that Claude Drew just, you know, was one of those plays, one of those goals, one of those passes that just will always stick in their mind. And and that's why it sucks so much that it looks like it's going to end the way it's going to end. When he got that, uh, when he got that two-game emergency call up before his rookie season, and Stevens put him out there in the uh, in, yeah, the in the shootout, just yeah. because they were like, "Well, fuck yeah. it, he's probably our best option." Like he <laughs> yeah, didn't right. score, and it was still so exciting. Like I remember yeah, it. Really it cool. I yeah. like, oh yeah, here you go, kid. This is yours. Where I think they were in Ottawa too, which was just I uh, think so. Yeah, which yeah. which was absolutely insane. Uh, I just have one more, and then we can move on. Speaking of uh, breakaways, oh gee, we're not even going to talk about the shootout. But uh, Mike Mike Richards, Mike Richards in 08, in the 08 playoffs gets that uh, gets that penalty shot against the Caps. Oh, Fucking yeah. nets it. Oh, yeah. Does the OV does the OV celebration, mm. and it happened at I want to say the exact moment. Pat Burrell hit a walk-off home run uh, across the street at Citizens Bank. And, like, the two games ended very uh, closely together. And, like, coming out of there, it was the reason you love the sports complex. Like, everyone was going fucking nuts. I had a friend at the game send me, like, a grainy cell phone video of the Richards goal. And I was like, I just saw Pat Burrell win the game. Like, this is fucking insane. Uh, Like, and it happened at the exact same time. So, just, man, good, good. There were good times. They've they've happened. They were I, a long yeah, time ago. Yeah, I've got ago. one more too. As as we're sitting here talking it through, I, I am surprised that you didn't put the Penguins playoff series as one thing that we should not be able to talk about because 
I think that that one, and, and of course I forget the year, but you all know the series 20, that I'm talking 2012, about. Yeah. Yeah. 2012. 2012 is the what I was going to shift at the start of the game, that one, with the hit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, game, yeah. game yeah. six. That was nuts. I, I think game six, that was the big one, happened on Greek Easter. So I am Greek. Um, Easter. I was up visiting. It was on a Sunday. Yeah, it was, was I know, on it was a on a Sunday. Yeah. So I was up in Westchester, New York, celebrating Easter with my family, with my phone sitting right next to my dinner plate, watching the game, because I had heard that it had gone fucking nuts. Um, so I'm sitting there watching the game on my phone while at Easter with my family, and I just start yelling when, when the shit goes down, and... They were all very confused, but my uh, my cousin's husband is a Rangers fan, so he was um, watching the game with me on my cell phone during Greek Easter, and that was it was just fun. It was like a family moment. All right, I guess we have to get into uh, take a break now, first. The uh, the current team. <laughs> take a um, break first. Oh yeah, you're I'm right. Thirty five right. in. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Before we get to the depressing shit, let's take a commercial <laughs> break, and uh, we'll be back on the other side with the current iteration of these horrible Philadelphia Flyers. All right, fam, we are back, uh, and as I mentioned at the top of the show, the Flyers can accomplish something incredible. Thursday is game number 40, and they could lose their 10th straight for a second time before the halfway point of the season, um, just just absolutely. How's it even possible to be this to be this bad? Uh, I'm just just wondering. I'm not advocating for it. I'm just wondering if they get to ten again. Do they need to get rid of Yo too? I think that's no. a good so, question, and like this is the time to be asking that. I don't but think they. No. no, I don't think they should either. It's just like, man, another ten game lose. I mean, it pretty much shows that it's not on the coach. They fired the coach, and then they went on another ten game losing streak. But it's kind of like coaches that go on ten game losing streaks tend to get fired, don't they? So you know why I don't think they should. Or that they will. I mean, you never know. Like the 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 only wild card in this is like if people in Comcast just get so mad that it's like, well, like you know, they get sick of seeing people screaming for blood on social media every day, and they're like, fuck it, fine, we'll we'll offer up a sacrifice for you. That's obviously the only like uh, you know wild card here. But I think there's a distinction between, and I, I touched on this a lot in my column on the back to back that I that I published this morning. There's a distinction between the way the Flyers looked. At the you know at the end of that ten game losing streak, particularly the last few games of the Vino era, because he got fired after the eighth the eighth loss, um, and how yeah. they look now, that was a team that had very clearly quit on its coach. That was just it was done. You know it was like this ain't working anymore. We're waiting for the other shooter. I told that story about how JVR said on the record when I asked him, does it you get the sense that guys are kind of waiting for the other shooter to drop? And he's like, I don't know how to answer that. <laughs> Which is basically like, well, yeah, they are. Um, Compare that to last night's game, which the Best Flyers game lost. Best game in weeks. They, they looked great they, for stretches. They looked <laughs> they looked really good for most of that game. Like, 
that's a game where you play that exact game ten times. The Flyers probably win it eight. It's just they're in a run run right now where like everything breaks against them because you know again like let's let's touch into that like eat Arby's nihilism here. Um, that's pretty much what happened. And you know what? That happens sometimes because that's hockey. That's hockey. Sometimes you outplay a team and you lose anyway because it's a puck. It's a game played on ice with a frozen piece of rubber. Weird shit happens. Weird shit happens where you don't score on 16 straight shootout attempts in a season. How? Great. How um, is Jerry Mayhew but, one but, of their options? Can we just... I mean... I know. I know. They're going to throw Keith Yandel out there. We're going to throw Oscar Lindblom out there who, like, can't score on breakaways because all he scores all of his goals within two feet of the net. Get within like, two feet of the net! <laughs> yeah, but, like, he has to get there first. There's no defense! Anyway. He's got to get there first. Um... I don't see a team yet. And this this is subject to change. Like, one thing that I always worry about when this sort of thing happens where, like, the process isn't that bad or it's getting better and the results don't come is, like, at some point the players, understandably, are just, like, going to go full nihilism and be like, well, fuck it. Like, I can only hear so many times that you're going to be rewarded and then not get rewarded before you just start giving up. And that could happen here. And if it does, then who the hell knows? But, like, at this point, the Flyers are still playing hard for Mike Yo. The Flyers are actually playing better over the last few games than they had over the first couple games of this losing streak. So, like, until the underlying process falls apart, I don't think you look at firing the coach. Because at this point, it's a lost season anyway. Like, if you were going to try to salvage this season, you would have had to, after firing Vigneault, hire a big-name coach immediately. You know, do what Vancouver did. Go out, you know, can the guy... And hire Bruce Boudreaux, hire you know, hire Claude Julian, hire John Tortorella, and then be like, that's going to be our big. Instead, they stuck with Yo because I think honestly they're not exactly sure what direction they're going to take yet in terms of rebuild versus still trying to ride this out and try to build with this core. And there's no reason in my mind to hire another five million dollar a year head coach just to, sl- to saddle them with a rebuild starting next season. So I understand why they did what they did, but the fact of the matter is they didn't do it, and now the season's basically toast. So like, what really is it going? To, what's it going to help firing the coach? If anything, if the team completely craters, it's probably a good thing for the long-term health of the organization because it means they have a better chance of getting a top three pick. So at this point, just let it ride. That's even... I, I was thinking the same thing in terms of direction with this team. Um, even if they are delusional and think, oh, you know what? Well, next year... Ellis and Couturier and Hayes. Like, if they think for some reason things are going to go well for them, that's delusional. Like, clearly they're not. But even if they even if they convince themselves of that ridiculousness, this season is fucking over. Like, you would have to go undefeated for the rest of the year, basically, to get back in this thing with the way the teams ahead of you in the playoff race are playing. Uh, that gets me to my next point. Kevin Hayes, I've been saying for weeks he needs to be shut down. Him, Couturier, and Ellis cannot come back this year. It 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 serves no purpose for the good of this organization. It, come back healthy next year if you actually think next year is going to be different. Okay, fine, whatever. Why like risk hurting these guys further so you don't have them for next season or? Go on a stupid run that makes your draft fucking 12th. Why would you put yourself at risk for either of those things in a year where you are one of the worst teams in the league by by a, a margin? 
Especially- yeah, I completely agree. Shut those guys down. I mean, they're already shut down, but don't even. You cannot let them come back. Especially no. Hayes. Let them rest. Let them work out. Let them get their their PT in. Get the, the kids, which they've been doing from AHL. Bring them up. Get them ice time. That's this the sad is the part. Is, there's no one yeah, left The sad part is there are no There's kids. a reason why they, like, you, you basically have Wade Allison, who I believe will be up soon once he shows he can stay healthy for longer than a week. But that's pretty much <laughs> it. It's like Wade Allison, Igor Zamul. Like, there's a reason why Jerry, Jerry Mayhew, Mayhew yeah. is playing in the yeah. top nine right now. It's because they have no one else. Like, Isaac Ratcliffe has, like, six points. German Rusov has like don't four. Talk about like my they're son they're like not that. NHL players, it, and that's it. Really, and I don't want Isaac Ratcliffe is big. I don't want to. Needs to remember, he's a big boy. I don't want to harp on this he's because large. we've rehashed it over and over. But you really are seeing the failings of the Hextall era in the lineup right now. They a team that was built on depth has zero depth. Like, but I I I question that like I agree number one agree because Ron Hextall did a number on this team um but do you think that other teams that are just mediocre which I think we've all agreed the Flyers are if they were playing with the majority of their AHL players would they be any good no like that's like but they'd have I, I'm, better I'm just options trying to think I'm trying to think Fairly here. Like, if if the, oh, God, let's say Columbus Blue Jackets, because that's who they're playing next, and I just did a whole, a whole podcast with uh, them. So let's say half of their team goes down, and they've got to pull up half of their Cleveland Monsters. That sounds dirty. They'd be bad. They'd be real bad. Yeah, sure. But also, like, comparing yourself to another mediocre, like, what's the point? Like, well, you shouldn't I mean, have even... to. You shouldn't have to go get a Jerry Mayhew or pick up a Patrick Brown off waivers. You should have these guys ready to plug and play. Like the fact that Isaac Ratcliffe isn't ready to plug and play. The fact that NAK got waived and like, listen, yeah, NAK serving a purpose in Colorado, whatever. He was shit here. Um, like that shouldn't be. You should have somebody that you've drafted in the second or third round that can fucking step on NHL ice and not look like he's a peewee player. I mean, they've used all of them. And that's the, like, Igor Zamula, an undrafted free agent, is one of their best options. They had a lot of picks. None of them are ever going to play up here. You know, And that, I mean, that takes me back to the story I'm constructing in my head. Like, it wasn't just us that were, that was highly touting our prospect pool like there were many many articles by many many national prospects people particularly at charlie's website that ranked the flyers farm system very very highly during the time in which all of these picks were part of the farm system none of them are panning out is that like in my mind that has to be an organizational problem like how have you not developed one of these guys into a serviceable NHL player. Not a single one. See, I, I I think, I mean, that's obviously, like, I don't think it's a, it's an unfair question. But I guess, I don't know, like, Kelly, 
I just find that weird coming from you, considering you're the person who's you like, know, bring everybody up to the NHL immediately because development doesn't matter. A player is what he's going to be. Like, that's generally my thought. And, like, I don't know how much development really matters so much as just fair. how good so were these guys So, first of all, really Charles, I've never claimed to be logically consistent, never once in my life. Um, but also, <laughs> I, I guess maybe in my head, it's less they're not developing them and more. There's something about the way they run this team that's actively making them worse. I mean, this like, came up something this... culturally is is hampering the talent level of players that should, at the very least, be serviceable NHL players. I think it's probably a mix. Like, I think you, you bring up NAK. I think NAK is probably an example of someone who was developed poorly, and I include the NHL level yeah. of that as well, because the fact of the matter is is that he came up, he was good, he stayed up, he got worse, now he's playing in Colorado, and he's well, Exactly. And like good that, like like. Like that's but, no, but but seriously, like like somebody like Isaac Ratcliffe, like, I don't know if anybody could have developed Isaac Ratcliffe into a really yeah. good player. I look at him as kind of like you know what you took a shot on a lottery ticket. He was a big dude with with some with some serious skill, and like if he hits, you have yourself you know James Van Riemsdyk, but you got him in the early second round rather than using the second overall pick on him, and that's pretty damn cool. It didn't work, but they took a shot, whatever. Whereas an NAK is a guy where, like, there's clearly a good player in there. They saw him, they fucked him up, and now he's gone and he's good again. And that's a player you have to take a hard look in the mirror and be like, how do we screw that one up? Because it's not that he's bad. It's that we made him bad. Like, I honestly think that if the Flyers had picked Kale McCarr and Kale McCarr was a Flyer— he would still be very, very good. Like, don't get me wrong. I don't think that they would have completely ruined Kale McCarr, but I don't think he would be the player that he is in Colorado if he were here because it doesn't seem like the Flyers generally value that kind of player. They would rather a safe, boring, two-way, fucking 2002-level talent player rather than someone who is risky and fucks up sometimes because he's taking risks and is go, go, go on offense and selfish or whatever. Like, all the dumb shit that we hear from Flyers people and Flyers fans. Like, I don't think that they would have made Kale McCarr into what he is right now if he were here. So, I, I guess the question that I have is, who's responsible for that? Because I agree. I agree. There is something, I've been saying it for years, there is something <laughs> rotten within the Flyers team, but I, I I don't know. Like the 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 staff has turned over pretty Not all of it. Not all of them. That, no, and this, right. this came up this came up on my post game and one of the callers, I forget who it was, but he actually made a great point like, you know, we can blame GMs and all this and you know, like Hextall, maybe he did shut out the scouts and maybe everyone really did want Kale McC what the fuck ever. But like you've got guys in the development and scouting department like Dave Brown, Shell Samuelson. They've been here twenty years. Yeah. What's their and resume? Here, What's the their thing. resume? Maybe the idea of having a bunch of guys that played really well for the organization 40 years ago. Maybe having those guys as the hockey brain trust is not the move. Maybe yeah. the like this whole obsession with the alumni 
and the culture and all of this bullshit, maybe that's the reason why it's bad. Or like, I, you know, I, 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 I appreciate some of the tough guys and everything and the guys who are role players. Uh, but if we're going to turn it over to a guy who played for the team, why can't it be like fucking Mark Howe? You know, who's 20 years ahead of his time. Why Why is it gotta be, like, the enforcer running yeah, the, the fucking... the mucker like, and the grinder. Like, like, why is it well, gotta be Nick why. Schultz on the bench? Why can't it, like... Why not be like Colorado and be like, Oh, Joe Sackick, you're a Hall of Famer superstar. Uh, right. You get to run the organization, you know? Why can't it be that? Well, what have they done with their superstars? What have they done with them? They've stripped the seat yeah. on, on television... They've traded them away after signing them to new long-term contracts, or they've made sure that the only way that they're going to win a Stanley Cup is not here. The more I think Why about it. Why would any of them want to stay? The more Why that I think about it. Why would any of the new yeah. guard of the last two, three decades want to stick around? The, the culture that people are so obsessed with maintaining and or bringing back is the problem in my they opinion. fucking and it's all a what ruse. they've been doing the last 30 years is bad it's all a ruse because the late years under clark and even you know right before hextall it's like we need to get rid of the old boys network the people who want the culture back are the same people who thought it was what was yep. holding them back back then like yep. it's it's all well, a but, ruse but like but that's but it, it's not it's not a ruse it's just that people are mad like that's that's why it's it's what I always come back to every then. time every time that people scream at me for why are you not pointing out this one thing that I believe is the real reason why the Flyers stink why are you not writing three articles a month about how awful Comcast is why are you not doing this why are you doing this like because like, it's fake this is all like like <laughs> here's the thing here's the thing. Shit's bad because the team is bad, and then you go around looking for reasons why the team is bad, and you create these narratives in your head as to why it's bad, when the root cause is just that the people that are running the team have been unable to create a winner. And I'm talking about the it, hockey It's people. all the that hockey is, side. That is, that, is, that is the root cause of all the anger, because you're absolutely right. Back in 2013-2014, when they brought in Ron Hextall, everyone was like, we got to stop this, you know, only hire former Flyers. I mean, shit. The whole reason why, like, the whole the whole thing, and we go to go back to somebody we started out talking talking about earlier for something totally different. Like, when Mike Sealski came in, his entire, like, thrust of all of his columns that he wrote for the Inquiry, and I'm not saying this is a critique. I'm just saying this was his narrative, was that the Flyers' biggest problem is that they're too focused on being the Snyder era Flyers, and they need to change it up, and they need to have a different mm -hmm. approach. And there were a lot of people in this market that 100% agree with Mike Sealski. And you know why they 100% agree with Mike Sealski? It's because they were pissed off the team was losing. Yeah. And you know what? Now, because they did that, kind of, and the team's still losing, now it's, that's why the team's losing. And it's like, you're just mad. And it's fine to be just mad. But maybe take a step back and be like, it, there, it isn't because of all these other things you're saying. You're mad because the team sucks. That's the reason. And if the team got good, all this stuff wouldn't matter. Do you remember Mike Sielski's article that just said culture change? Vaguely. Did he write an article like that? Yeah, I, I think remember. it was just culture change over and over, like over and over, and over again. again. 
I'll have to I'll have to fact check myself, but I'm almost positive. I, like I've said a bunch of times on the post game, like no one would care that Comcast Spectacore was was a corporation, or like if the the locks on the lounge got changed on all the alumni, if the team was good, no one would give a shit. Yes, yes. I don't care if season ticket holders get charged double everyone else. If the team wins 60% of it. I prefer not to, but I don't give a shit. I don't care. It <laughs> Steph found it. She's there showing it us. I found it. It's from 2015. All it is is culture change. Mike Sealski from the upshot the of the Flyers' decision to hire Dave Haxtall. What a time. Well, that worked We were out. all into that move. <laughs> but that's the thing. And like, and, and and I'm not saying that fans aren't justified in being angry because they are. Team stinks. It's real frustrating. It's been a crappy decade. I'm just saying that have a little bit of self awareness and realize that a lot of the stuff that you're saying is the real the real reason why the Flyers stink is basically you trying to create logical reasons in your head for why you're so mad when. It's probably better to just embrace yeah. the fact that you're mad because it's really miserable to watch shitty hockey or mediocre yeah. hockey at best for 10 straight years. That's really what's going on here. So let's try to figure out how to fix that. But like, yeah, the, com- it's just about complete, building a better team. It's just about building a better team. Complete lack you of good players is the problem. If they had a bunch of good players, they'd be good. They have a bunch of bad players, so they're bad. Like last night, I came on post game. I was like... The Flyers uh, blew a third-period lead and were unsuccessful in nine consecutive breakaways. It was their best game in weeks. Like, that's where we are. That's who this yeah. team is at this point. Like, that's what, I, do I was to, entertained okay. last night, and that was it. Okay, so I do want to go back to something, because this is something we talked about like 15 minutes ago, and I had a response to this. Let's talk about Ryan Ellis for a second. If there's any chance that Ryan Ellis is going to need surgery for whatever this, the, this specific issue is, like— Shut him down immediately, have him have the surgery now. Because let's get a jump on that. Let's not have happen what happened to Kevin Hayes, where for whatever reason, he played out the fucking season before getting his core surgery, when in reality, should have been shut down in March. Because maybe if that would happen, this season wouldn't have been a wash either for him. So if there's any chance that like Couturier or Ellis is going to need surgery for whatever these issues are, yes, shut them down. Because the, the, the true goal right now from the organization has to be setting themselves up for next season, whether that's a rebuild or whether that's, you know, let's, you know, let's just decide this is another curse season and try to be as good of a team as we are. Like, that should be the goal. Let's make sure that these issues don't linger. Kevin Hayes is an interesting one for this reason. And I've said this on Twitter. I've said this in, in my article comment section a couple of times. He obviously is now going to be out for three to four weeks because he had the the they drained out basically a, a muscle in his thigh, which is wonderful. Um, but these types of core injuries, like a lot of people scream, just shut down Kevin Hayes. I don't know if that's necessarily the move because these kind of core surgeries, a lot of them, you kind of have to play your way back from. You have to loosen up the scar tissue, and you also have to play your way back from it mentally in the sense that you have to convince your mind that every time you take a lunge, it's not going to tear again. And that's something that just takes time of you playing hockey. And it sucks for the fans because they got to watch a guy who they know is better than that play like shit as he tries to work his way back from the surgery. But we saw what happened with Claude Giroux. We saw what happened with Shane Gosses Bear. They had a bad year. 
I don't think they have the bounce back year they actually did have after that if they didn't play through it the year before. And I'm not a doctor. I don't know the exact specifics of Kevin Hayes' injury. If it turns out that Kevin Hayes is going to need another surgery, then yeah, shut him down. Shut him down. Call it a day. But I think a lot of that injury is about playing through it. So I don't have a problem with them continuing to play Kevin Hayes once he's back from this cleanup if they think that's the best way for him to get back to being the real Kevin Hayes for next season. And I think there's a good chance that might be the case. I would agree with you. That's a good point. I would agree with you if he hadn't had two other procedures already. Like, he he can work through it after this next one. In a non-contact, non-NHL setting, because clearly, it there are problems. Like every time he lunges, he does get hurt again. So like, I, he he cannot play through this. It does not seem like that's the case. He he looks worse, and then he needed a third procedure. So like, I what happens when he needs the fourth one? What happens when he re-injures it entirely, and then next year's a wash too? Well, we didn't have our 2C again. Let's try again in 2024. Like, I... Well, I mean, I just Bill, don't if he if he has like if he has another couple surgeries, we're not talking about what about the Flyers 2C. We're talking about whether Kevin Hayes can still play hockey. Yeah. Yeah, and that's why, like, I want to protect against that. He can work it out in non-NHL setting. Like, he can go to Voorhees and skate all day. That's what I'm all saying. All day, every day. But, like, I just don't he know if can't you can play re- in the I NHL. I don't know if you can replicate NHL pace and NHL competitiveness in the sense of, particularly in the sense of rebuilding a player's confidence in his own body. Every time he's replicated it, he's needed another procedure. Well, not that's not necessarily true. The second procedure was always off of skating, and I just don't think the first procedure took the way they wanted it to. This one is a cleanup. Like, it's literally, they're, they're draining fluid. Like, that's, again, I'm not a doctor, but that doesn't strike me as, like, there's another tear. That strikes me as, like, this is part of the recovery process post-surgery. Um, I When could- John Buchagross two weeks ago was talking about how he's hurt and should be shut down, to me, that came from somewhere. That yeah, wasn't, that, mm. they have enough connections yeah, maybe. together in the same circles that maybe it didn't come from Kevin directly, but it came from somewhere. Uh, well, that's just, I, well, that's well, just conjecture, the, but the, the point I'll, it sounded like The point me. I'll make about that is that I don't think that came directly from Hayes because, let me put it this way, from what I've heard, the, no, reason, wants to the reason why Kevin Hayes is not getting shut down is because Kevin Hayes wants to play. That's the yeah. reason, that is the reason why Kevin Hayes didn't have the surgery early because Kevin Hayes felt like, I'm a $7 million a year player, I can't quit on my team even if this is a lost season. And really, the Flyers should have been like, look, Kevin, I, I, I appreciate where you're coming from, but like you got to get this freaking surgery. I just think there's zero benefit. Like... Him working his way back, that sounds like a camp thing to me. (laughs) Stay in shape, get your physical therapy out of the way, and then hit the ground running next season if that's what the Flyers choose to do because this season is pointless. And to that point, real quick before we wrap, what's up, Steph? What do you got? All I'm trying to say for the past 10 minutes is conditioning stint in Lehigh Valley. I yeah, don't that, want him that, playing. You know, that's only going to take a little bit of time. Exactly. I mean, Who cares? Shut him down for the rest of the season. Give him a conditioning stint. You're good. I don't want him playing competitive hockey I, uh, that, until it, it, next It's year. not competitive hockey with the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. Yeah, Fair. but you only get, what, like five games with that? I mean, that's not going to ah. make a huge difference either way. Yeah, I don't care. I, I don't want him playing in the NHL this season. Let him rest. 
The dude has had a fucking brutal time of it lately. Take a nap, Kevin Hayes. Real I think he quick. Wants, I think he wants to play, though. I think that's a big thing, too, is that no, he, he definitely wants does. to play. But at and some I think point, he thinks he thinks that's going to make him. He thinks that's going to make him feel better mentally too. Right, playing hockey, and it's rather not than laying because around. it's not working. So Kevin Hayes, my dude, number one, call me. I'll help you through your trauma. Number two, take a nap. Real quick, uh, just because I asked about Yo, and I don't think anyone thinks he should be like fired over a ten-game losing streak because what's the point? He's the interim coach. He's here to absorb the blows, and really. Even then, like who's on the organizational depth chart here? Lappy and Nick Schultz, like that's what we're that's what we're looking at. So, yeah, um, hot damn. But with the general manager Chuck Fletcher, I think there's a lot of question what direction they're going to take. Like we've said a bunch of times, if they're going to rebuild, like how do you entrust the guy who was like, no, I'm all in. Well, your plan failed. Yeah, but my next one will work. Like, I don't know, but looking at the looking at the potential pieces the Flyers have to move over the next few weeks leading up to the trade deadline. Claude Giroux, Justin Braun, Rasmus Ristolainen, Martin Jones, Derek Broussard, maybe Keith Yandel, uh, maybe Nate Thompson. I, I'm just <laughs> joking with those two, but whatever. There's a reasonable chance the Flyers are able to stockpile, like, a significant number of assets from this trade deadline. If Fletcher, like, gets what we deem strong value from G, maybe pulls a few of those Hextallian trades uh, from the depth guys, should he be considered to stay to get us through whatever this next, whatever this next portion is? I don't think it matters. I don't think there's a single chance in hell he's getting fired. All so. Right. I disagree. I disagree. With oh, really? I mean, I think really? there's. I think there are people in the organization that are big Fletcher guys, but I don't think it's like universal. I think everybody likes Fletcher as a person. I think they. Oh, I think they like him in terms of his collaborative, uh, you know, approach to to being a GM. I think they like the fact that he makes everyone feel included. I think they like him in that sense. But like this season has been a disaster. And there's definitely an element of people in the organization that are like, look, like, you kind of sold us that this is going to be better. And it ain't. And there's only so many times you can sell us that you're going to be able to figure this out before we have to just come to the conclusion that, look, we might like you as a dude and you might seem smart, but how many times are you going to build a bad team before we have to believe that you can't build a good one? So I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility Fletcher goes. I don't think it's a foregone conclusion, but I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. Hmm. Yeah, I agree there. Um, and, and something that I pointed to with um, the Columbus podcast is Fletcher is also team president. So he's just like a little bit more ingrained. Yeah, that's true. But there, there's definitely That a is often a combination, though. That, yeah, that they all just decide that this is not the best fit. But that being said, from a personal standpoint, like I am so sick of a new general manager every three to four years. Like, can 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 one of them please just stick? Like, I'm I'm just so sick of the turnstile of coaches, general managers. I'm sick of it all. I mean, I think what you're, more what you're asking is like, can yeah. one of them actually can do one of them the be job? good? Right? Dude, <laughs> can we get a good one? The good teams. <laughs> Please, I am screaming to the heavens. One of you just do 
your job decently. I'm not even saying well, just one of you. One is all I'm looking for because I can't do this anymore. I can't do it. I'm tired and stop it. Thank you. So the, I mean, one of the concerns here, I, I feel like if Fletcher, if Fletcher goes, he'll go because of just like general frustration on the part of Comcast for how far the situation has devolved. Because as team president, like, you know, yeah, the, he basically answers to Dave Scott and Dave Scott would have to be the one who makes this call. Now, granted, Dave Scott might talk to people like Paul Holmgren and Bob Clark and whatever, but like in the end, oh, good. In Thank the God. end, it's 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 Dave Scott's call. Now, if there was a president above Chuck Fletcher, then that would be the president's call. The same way, you know, Paul Holmgren, you know, was a major major reason why Ron Hextall got fired, and Paul Holmgren was the team president above Ron Hextall technically at the time of that whole thing. Um, but now that Fletcher is team president and GM, yeah, I mean, now this is this is pretty much Comcast's call. If the the, the one concern I have on that front is like, I am. I am open to Fletcher, you know, basically basically telling Chuck Fletcher, look, give me your, you know, three-year plan as to how you're going to do this, you know, and maybe we're going to, like, like talk to some other people and hear their three-year plans and see if we like their three-year plans better. Like, that would be, for me, to me, like, an ideal thing. Like, see who whose three-year plan seems the most doable, logical, and even ambitious. The problem is, is that like, and, and I'm not one of those people who's like, you know, screaming that, you know, Comcast has to sell the team and Dave Scott is awful and all this other stuff. Like, but I mean, who are they presenting to? Are they presenting to Dave Scott? Because Dave Scott, I think by his own acknowledgement is not like a hockey expert. So how is he going to be able to tell if like Chuck Fletcher's plan is better than, you know, whoever, whatever hot GM prospect you're looking at to come in and do a rebuild. So that's what makes they're it gonna tough. present. They're going to present to President Chuck Fletcher. <laughs> <laughs> Why they're going to do a better job than Chuck Fletcher being GM. Yeah. I mean, that would be interesting. It's like a game show. You have to beat the like. You have to beat the guy out, and he gets to make yeah. the decision. That'll that would be, be an interesting. That should be a reality show. It would be an interesting thing. I don't think the fly. I mean, you can't rule anything out. Given how bad the season went, it would be interesting if Comcast went to Fletcher and was like, "Look, we'd like to keep you around as president, but we want to get a new GM." That would be interesting. I don't. That would be fascinating. I don't know how Fletcher would respond to that because he's only been a GM, really. Um, and yeah. moving into that team president role is kind of like, hey, maybe you're not a GM anymore because you're just not that good at it. But that is an interesting concept. It would that be is interesting. It would be because weird. It is, it is a promotion, kind of. Well, I mean, not really because he's already president. Because he's already the president, but it's basically I'm a restructuring. It's a restructuring. It will continue the, the cycle. Office. It will continue the cycle of guys getting fired up, like Paul Holmgren. You, yeah. Paul Holmgren, you've ruined the team. You are president now. Ron Hextall you is your replacement. Up. You're his boss. Yep. <laughs> I, I do think the team would benefit from separating those roles. Probably. I do think that they yeah. would benefit from having a hockey guy in between the general manager and Dave Scott. That, Probably. Yeah. yeah. Probably. And, and you're seeing why right now. Because, yeah. yeah. Because Chuck has full power, basically, unless he's going to get fired. That's really right. the only avenue they have, at least in terms of my understanding of it. 
So the question is, do you want to do it? And Chuck has support. I mean, look, like we talked about it on the show last week about the, the Bob Clark comments. And I do think that a lot of that is driven by the fact that Bob Clark is in Chuck's corner. Bob Clark's yeah. a Chuck, but, you know, Chuck's a Bob Clark guy. So Bob Clark is probably being like, you know, this ain't Chuck's fault. You know, give keep give Chuck a chance to, to fix this. This is all kind of residual from the mistakes of the Hextall era. And I'm sure Bob Clark honestly believes that. But Bob Clark, I'm sure, as one is, when you have friends, you're going to be biased towards your friends. How the fuck is Bobby Clark still running this organization 20 years later? I mean, he's not running the organization, but he's got a big voice in it. Seems like Should it. he? Like, that's, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to harp on it anymore. Uh, no, he's a 70-year-old man. I don't think anybody... Like maybe this uh, isn't Rupal, the way. Yeah, like, I, whatever. We got a lot of time to harp on this. Uh, the team is fucking terrible. I really want the them... the rest of all time. I really want... Forever I really want them... I really want them to lose their 10th in a row for the second time on third. Like, I am rooting for Columbus. It sucks that they, they now have these bad teams that they Just might Just for the takes. With, yeah. The with Columbus and then Buffalo, like, they might win two in a row but and ruin yeah. our 10-game uh, losing streak. But probably not because, like, they're horrible. Uh, all right. Anyone I have anything predicted else? No. 3-1 for the Columbus game. 3-1 Columbus. Are you doing pregames I- for another podcast? I, Are you doing their checking? Uh, you're doing their checking out the competition? They didn't specifically tell me that it was that. They asked for an interview. Fair enough. So, yes, but also... Welp. Not on purpose? All right, everybody uh, Everybody, make sure to get those prop bets in on Jake Voracek for the game on Thursday. <laughs> he apparently is not Is likely to not play. He still is oh, a COVID damn protocol. So you Jake be doesn't seem me. like he's coming back. Are that's you a, shitting me? That's yeah, a bunch actually, of shit. Actually, a direct quote by Jake Voracek <laughs> on Twitter.com, directed towards yours truly, Charlie O'Connor. I've been blocked by him for years. I don't know why. Uh, all right. That I is mean, I can guess. <laughs> Jake I loves love Jake. Me. I've never been blocked. I love Jake. Like I was one of the Jake defenders. That's like, yeah. I was blocked. My overall tone is, yeah, whatever. That's know. all the time we have for you on BSH Radio this week. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. Search Broad Street Hockey wherever there are podcasts, and boom, content, content, content. So much shit. I don't care to name it all. You'll find it. Just by hitting subscribe. It'll come right to you. All right, that's it. Uh, For Kelly, for Charlie, for Steph, my name is Bill Matz. Have a great week, everybody. Are you ready to talk about sports?
Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. 